Welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. This podcast is a review of Anthony Bradley's recent article on critical race theory published at Mere Orthodoxy. In the article, Bradley argues that the Presbyterian Church in America doesn't need a statement or counterstatement to critical race theory because in a, quote, confessional denomination, such a statement or counterstatements would be unnecessary, end quote. Instead, the PCA, and presumably all confessional Presbyterians, can rely on, quote, the Bible, the Westminster Confession of Faith, the Presbyterian tradition, and covenant theology, end quote. Therefore, they can, quote, eat the meat and spit out the bones, end quote, of critical race theory. One wonders how people will know what meat to eat and what bones to spit out without a statement or counterstatement. Indeed, Bradley's article itself is a sort of statement about CRT, or a counterstatement to the fact that, quote, six Southern Baptist seminary presidents signed a statement declaring critical race theory to be incompatible to the non-binding doctrinal standards of their denomination, end quote. Bradley later says that when armed with the resources of Reformed theology, Christians can propose something even better to account for what we see in the world today on the intersection of America's racial history with contemporary culture. Again, one wonders how this proposal is made public without a, quote, statement or counterstatement, end quote. Bradley's article does a commendable job concisely defining CRT. He points to the work of Antonio de la Garza and Kent Ono, who explains that critical race theory is an intellectual movement that seeks to understand how white supremacy as a legal, cultural, and political condition is reproduced and maintained primarily in the U.S. context. But more than seek to understand, Bradley rightly points out that CRT seeks to, quote, centralize the issue of race, end quote, in its historical interpretation. He also rightly points out that CRT is, well, critical. That is, it scrutinizes how white supremacy is a normalized, assumed, and irrevocable part of America's past and present. Bradley then says, quote, one can and should learn what one can from it while rejecting what is wrong. It is not an account we must accept or reject wholesale, end quote. In this, Bradley seeks a centrist view that neither embraces CRT as a complete doctrine, as do the progressives, nor rejects CRT in its entirety, as do the secular conservatives, as he puts it. This is a common tact in evangelicalism today, namely to try and find the good and redeemable things in all ideas, even unchristian ones. The impulse isn't all wrong. We certainly don't want to live with a hypercritical spirit. Sometimes there are redeemable qualities in bad ideas. I, for one, have learned a lot from the monastic tradition, even as I think the Desert Fathers' retreat from the world badly missed the mark. Bradley then interacts with CRT. He starts with the issue of racism in America. Does it exist in American history? Does it exist now? 
This, we should point out, is an acceptable place to start interacting with CRT, since so much of the theory is built on the premise that the United States is systematically racist even still today. On the question of whether or not systemic racism exists now, Bradley says, quote, it depends, end quote. He says, we need to make a, quote, case-by-case basis, end quote. He admits that white supremacy doesn't explain everything that is wrong with America. He admits that white supremacy doesn't explain all statistical disparities between the races. But then he says, quote, CRT can be and is useful in some limited contexts for identifying where race may be a variable, end quote. He later says, quote, CRT may have a certain limited usefulness in pointing out analytical blind spots in examining the role of race in American life, end quote. Bradley's main thesis is that Christians should, quote, eat the meat and spit out the bones, end quote, of CRT. In other words, Christians should find those things in CRT that have limited usefulness. But he never explains why. So I'll ask it. Why must Christians do backbends to publicly identify that which is useful in CRT, a theory crafted by those who hate the God of the Bible? His article never specifically says what the meat of CRT is. He never says specifically what true thing CRT provides. <clears throat> Bradley says, quote, CRT simply wants to dismantle racism in an attempt to achieve cosmic salvation from their perception of the worst of all evils. For CRT, anti-racism will set us free, end quote. Later, Bradley says, quote, dismantling racism will not rid the world of the evil CRT seeks to purge. It might be helpful in identifying some aspects of some forms of evil, end quote. In this, Bradley assumes that CRT merely wants to dismantle racism. In reality, they have, as Carl Truman says, created, quote, a creedal language and liturgy, end quote. In other words, words like racism have new meanings. Truman explains that CRT is filled, quote, with orthodox words, white privilege, systemic racism, and prescribed actions, raising the fist, taking the knee. To deviate from the forms is to deviate from the faith. Certain words are heretical, non-racist, all lives matter. The slogan, silence is violence, is a potent rhetorical weapon. To fail to participate in the liturgy is to reject the anti-racism the liturgy purports to represent, something only a racist would do, end quote. It's not the case that, quote, CRT simply wants to, di- wants to dismantle racism, end quote. Rather, they seek to redefine racism. Consider some of the new vocabularies of CRT. First, the term anti-racism. This does not mean someone is against racism. Rather, this is when someone is committed to actively dismantling systems and institutions that produce whiteness. Second, the term racism. This does not mean that you look down upon people of another race with hate and look upon people of your race as superior with pride. Rather, in CRT, racism now means power plus prejudice. 
In CRT, only majority groups can be racist because racism is impossible apart from power. Third, the term white fragility. This is a term unique to CRT. It refers to a posture of defensiveness, anxiety, and anger exhibited by whites in response to discussions of race. Fourth, the term white privilege. This refers to a set of unearned advantages that whites experience relative to non-whites by virtue of their skin color. It also implies that privilege of any kind is wrong. In scripture, however, the existence of privilege is not sin. Someone may either righteously or wickedly use their privilege. Fifth, the term whiteness. This refers to a set of normative privileges granted to a white-skinned individual in groups which are indivisible to those privileged by it. CRT views whiteness as a problem that needs to be overcome. And so it's the case that CRT is a system that doesn't simply want to dismantle racism. They are seeking to redefine the entire conversation. It employs duplicitous language. Bradley seems to take it at face value that CRT wants to dismantle racism, not acknowledging that CRT activists have taken their erasers to the dictionary. Bradley says, quote, CRT is a reductionistic theory of human evil and suffering. It is precisely for this reason that CRT is not a threat to the PCA. It is woefully inadequate to explain the nature of reality and to offer non-coercive solutions. That is, CRT is not good enough, end quote. Now, it's certainly true that CRT is not good enough to explain reality, but that doesn't mean it isn't a threat. CRT isn't just a problem of misinterpreting reality. It is an attempt to redefine it. Consider an example. CRT explains the statistical disparities between blacks and whites by citing racism or systemic racism. In so doing, it fails to account for the disaster that happens when marriage is destroyed and children are raised in single-parent homes. Economist Glenn Lowry has argued that marriage is supposed to be the first social context for a child's life. As Christians, we would add that God's purpose for marriage is that children are raised with two parents in the home. If the nuclear family is broken, then no subsequent level of society can fully correct it, no matter how pure the motivations are and how much government money is spent. On the issue of statistical disparities between whites and blacks, Christians need to be clear that if the family is broken, it doesn't matter what government program is passed and how much money is spent. There is no substitute for the family. Glenn Lowry makes the point that if you're going to talk about racial inequality, you have to start by talking about the destruction of the black family. It's not possible to remediate what's lost if marriage and family and kinship and community are not intact. It is within the nuclear family structure that children learn to tame their impulses, improve cognitive skills, learn social skills, and develop emotional self-control. In other words, it is through home training that children learn to function in society. The Christian worldview understands that both white and black children born to single mothers have significant hurdles compared with those children born in a two-parent family. Yet CRT deems it racist and bigoted 
to say that racial inequalities will not be alleviated until there is a return to a culture in which children are born to married couples who stay married and invest their energies in those children. Bradley says that Christian theology allows us to freely, quote, acknowledge evil where it exists. We are free to protest and invest by unlocking the goodness of creation, blessing our neighbors, and fighting evil, end quote. Now, Christians would all agree to this. In fact, this is why it is essential to oppose CRT, root and branch, whenever we encounter it. It carries on its front a semblance of justice, which is false. Good Christians who love justice are deceived. Bradley wants to acknowledge the helpful parts of CRT and spit out the vices. The error with this strategy is that the vices Bradley wishes to eradicate from CRT are essential features of it. Consider the way CRT sorts people into groups. Each group is divided into Marx's categories, bourgeoisie and proletariat. These are the categories of classical Marxism. Yet critical theory goes beyond the economic groups of classical Marxism, expanding this to include the powerful or the oppressed, the advantaged or the disadvantaged, the privileged or the discriminated against, the white and the black. CRT studies these groups to find and challenge power structures, which shape the relationships between groups. Sorting people into groups creates divisions between the powerful and oppressed, an analytical technique innovated by Marx and applied in the courts of tyrants. Thrasmachus, the Greek philosopher, wrongly defined justice as, quote, the interest of the stronger, end quote. Carl Truman helpfully explains that, quote, critical theory, whatever form it takes, relies on the concept of false consciousness, the notion that the oppressors control society so completely that the oppressed believe their own interests are served by the status quo. This allows every piece of evidence that might refute one's theory to be transformed into further evidence of how deep and comprehensive the problem of oppression is, end quote. CRT tries to make minorities the strongest by, as Bradley admits, centralizing the issue of race. The problem is that this isn't justice. Carl Truman again says, quote, When that framework flattens our moral judgment and erases distinctions, makes the system the culprit, and guards its assertions with a self-certifying account of what must be affirmed, the scene is set not for Christian reconciliation, but for cultural intimidation, as all dissent is denounced as racist. End quote. <clears throat> CRT is an analytical framework to analyze institutions and culture. Its purpose is to divide the world into white oppressors and non-white victims. The ultimate goal of the theory's proponents is to remake society so that the victim class eventually displaces the oppressors and becomes the new ruling class. BLM co-founder is rather transparent about this goal in her book, The Purpose of Power, How We Come Together When We Fall Apart. Within this framework, White privilege and its unearned benefits become responsible for economic and social disparities in minority communities. CRT advances a narrative of blame that declares white America guilty for the plight of blacks. 
In CRT, there is no way out for whites when it comes to race. For example, CRT advocate Derek Bell says racism has a permanence to it. CRT advocate Robin D'Angelo teaches people that the question is no longer did racism take place, but how did racism manifest in this situation? All of the core critical race theory texts say that racism is the ordinary state of affairs in society. Critical race theory assumes that racism is permanent and affects every aspect of society, including political, economic, social, and religious institutions. Blaming the abstract system with no hope of forgiveness is decidedly opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the good news of Christ, reconciliation happens through individual confession, repentance, and forgiveness when actual sins have taken place. The parable of the unforgiving servant, found in Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35, teaches that the gospel pattern of forgiveness should be carried out in our daily lives. The point of the parable is that if we claim to be forgiven by Jesus, yet still have an unforgiving spirit, then that proves that we have never tasted the forgiveness of Jesus in the first place. Reconciliation is impossible when repentant individuals are denied forgiveness and kept forever on the hamster wheel of guilt. And so we return to our question, why? Why must Christians do backbends to publicly identify something useful in CRT, a theory crafted by those who hate the God of the Bible? And if it is the case, as Bradley says, that Christians armed with the resources of Reformed theology can propose something even better than CRT, well, then why must we affirm something, anything, about CRT? Rather than being an excellent oil which shall not break my hand, as Psalm 141.5 mentions, CRT is a hot oil that burns it. Racism exists. We don't deny that. The point is that Christians don't need CRT to point out that racism can infect social structures, economic systems, and legal codes. The fact that CRT is unneeded is proven by Bradley's article. While he calls on Christians to, quote, eat the meat and spit out the bones, end quote, not once does he explicitly identify what meat CRT provides to the Christian worldview. So then why does he insist that Christians should, quote, learn what one can from it, end quote? Addison Meek, wisely speaking about race relations, says, quote, We do harm to the name of Christianity by trying to please people or be politically correct, end quote. Bradley tells us to eat the meat and spit out the bones. But first, we must ask if the buffet set before us is food or poison. Failing to differentiate the two is a disaster. Adhering to CRT is not the way to fight for justice. Bradley says, quote, It might be helpful in identifying some aspects of some forms of evil. End quote. Well, my question is, what specifically does it help identify that the Christian worldview can't do on its own? The closest agreement Bradley himself has with CRT in this article is when he says, quote, there is racism in America, and at times, that racism can take on structural forms, end quote, end quote. But he doesn't tell us where exactly structural racism is found. And so his statement is a mere abstraction. In the end, 
Bradley leaves the door open that CRT may be slightly helpful, but he gives no specific examples of how CRT is helpful. Bradley says, quote, One can and should learn what one can from it while rejecting what is wrong, end quote. But he gives no specific examples of what true things are learned from CRT that can't also be learned without CRT. Bradley says we should approach CRT in a way, quote, that discerns true insights, end quote. Well, what true insights does CRT provide? Bradley doesn't expressly say. He does say this, quote, CRT can be and is useful in some limited context for identifying where race may be a variable, end quote. But again, why do Christians need CRT to identify, to identify race as a variable in injustice? He says that social sciences are simply attempting to re- provide replacement narratives for Christianity. In this statement, he seems to imply that CRT is a replacement narrative for Christianity. Well, that's quite an admission. This is a savage blow to his claim that CRT is, quote, not an account we must accept or reject wholesale, end quote. Well, if CRT is a replacement narrative for Christianity, don't we then have an obligation to reject it wholesale? Why do we need it? The church needs leaders and members who are not deceived by the pretensions of justice, which usher in the cruelty of divisions, resentment, and rioting. To use CRT in the church, or to adapt it to the Christian worldview, is to dilute the truth. I truly appreciate the critique Bradley makes of CRT, along with his belief in the rich resources of the Reformed Protestant tradition. But he proves too much. It is precisely because of the Christian critique of CRT and the depth of the Christian worldview that CRT is unneeded in the church. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com.